Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. When college basketball season ends, and a lot of American sports fans turn their attention immediately to golf and the first of the four majors, the Masters, there are a handful of our favorite guests we think of right away. From the media world, John Feinstein, noted author, has written a lot of books about college basketball, many others involving golf. He joined us live from Augusta National earlier today. We also think of a coach right here in our backyard. He loves the sport of golf. I think he told us last year he estimates that he has played at Augusta National roughly 20 times. I've heard he's a pretty good basketball coach as well. From the University of North Carolina, Roy Williams. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm doing well, David. I wish I was at Augusta myself, but I'm getting on the road recruiting. <laughs> yeah, we and you know what, Coach? It's funny you mention that. I better be careful how long I keep you because if I step in the way of you getting a recruit that the Tar Heels need, they'll your fans <laughs> will never talk to me again. So let's get right to it. One of Feinstein's one of Feinstein's funniest lines when he joined us earlier, and I told him you would be joining us. He said, "Roy Williams would never ever cheat on a golf course, but I know for a fact that he has broken the 14 club rule." And then his punchline <laughs> punch was that you have th that many memberships, of course, not too many clubs in the bag. Uh, is that true, Coach? You belong to that many country or, or golf clubs? Yeah, I'm a little overwhelmed by it myself. But uh, I like to be about anywhere in this state and a lot of other states where I can get to a place that they'll let me play quickly. So, uh, yeah, I went past 14 uh, a few years back, to say the least. <laughs> when you when you had your physical issues, I remember you saying that obviously it, it cut out your golf entirely for a while and reduced <laughs> it for other stretches. I think a year ago at this time, you mentioned that you had not played an 18-hole round of golf through the Tar Heels season a year ago. Is, is that just typically how it works for you? You have your tunnel vision from whatever, October through March or April, and then maybe you get out on the links occasionally? Yeah, there's no question. I have about a 14-week window. I never play after practice starts. I shouldn't say never because one time when I was Coach Smith's assistant, we were playing in the Cable Car Classic, and he said, why don't we fly the red-eye by and back and we'll go to Cypress Point. So he convinced me. But uh, <laughs> normally my deal is I'll put them up the last weekend in September, and then I don't play again until after the NCAA tournament is over with. So uh, that's a normal schedule for me. And a couple of years with the knee surgeries and knee replacements, I didn't get to play much at all, and my handicap got higher than it's ever been. So I'm, I'm trending back down right now, hopefully. <laughs> Given how the calendar works, I don't know how much of a golf spectator you are, either in person or on TV, but most of the time, if there's something like the Ryder Cup or one of the four majors, theoretically it should fall on a better part of your calendar. Uh, uh, but I don't know how recruiting can complicate that. Will you get to enjoy the Masters, for example, on TV, even as you're chasing the next generation of Tar Heels? You know, my favorite sports event on TV is Sunday at the Masters. Okay. And there's no question, every time I have an opportunity that I watch that, and I've watched it many times for five or six hours or as long as the coverage is on. But this year I've got a couple of recruiting appointments on Sunday, so I may get it taped. Uh -oh. and try to tell everybody, don't tell me the outcome so I can watch it after I get home Sunday night. <laughs> Roy Williams <laughs> is joining us on the David Glenn Show. He, ha he is, of course, a member of the Basketball Hall of Fame, the College Basketball Hall of Fame, and the Naismith Hall of Fame. He is coming off a season that saw USA Today name him the National Coach of the Year. You have shared stories with us, Coach, where you have a special player or players 
and it overlaps with when you think you have maybe the best team in the country. And I think you shared a story of, you know, like in the Tyler Hansborough era, like walking the streets around your hotel in the middle of the night because you couldn't sleep because you didn't want Hansborough to move on without an NCAA title because he was a mm-hmm. special player on some special teams. When you reflect on a season like this, I don't think you would say you were the best team in college basketball. Um, you were one of the really good teams. But you shared the ACC regular season title. You made the Sweet 16. You won almost 30 games. How does that shake out in your brain? I mean, it's not your ultimate goal, but it feels like a lot of good things were done, even as you said goodbye this recent weeks uh, to almost all of your biggest contributors. No question, David. It's uh, mixed signals. Your brain gives it to you all the time. If you had told me, win 29, a number one seed, be co-champions of the ACC. You know, I said, boy, that's going to be a really good year. Uh, I didn't think our team was good enough to win it all, but we kept getting a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And then by the end of the season, I said, if we're good enough to be uh, tied for first in this league, we're good enough to win the whole thing. And, uh, And it didn't work. So you have the disappointment of that. And yet again, you go back and feel like, gosh, we did some really good things. And you got to be happy with that part of it. Because there's only one. There's 353 teams that start. There's only one of it ends with the W. That that makes, you know, I guess you can go to some of those other tournaments and end with the W. But uh, the one that everybody looks at, there's only one team that ends standing. And we've been fortunate to have done that a couple of times. And but I wanted another one. There's no question. <laughs> With that one team in mind, the Virginia Cavaliers. Coach, I've been at this for 32 years. There are years, and I think you know this to be true, where the guy who wins it all is not universally respected and admired. And then there's other years where everybody you talk to is happy for the guy whose team cuts down the nets. It feels like Tony Bennett is one of those guys that just has nothing but folks happy because something really good happened for to a really good guy and his team what are your thoughts as you saw the Cavaliers as the ones cutting down the nets on Monday night no question Uh, Tony's one of our great coaches he's one of the great individuals he's a guy that everybody likes if you find somebody say something negative about Tony Bennett man you think gosh what's this guy talking about (laughs) you know it's it's that kind of thing and then with the heartbreak of last year and the moon and the stars and everything got aligned, and they had three wins, you know, by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin, you know, that kind of thing. And you had to feel good about them. I mean, because it's like I even – Tony and I texted back and forth that everybody's always going to talk about that loss against UNBC because it's the only time it's ever happened. Right. But every year when a tournament starts, they can say, you remember that Virginia – but Tony doesn't care about it now because he's going to say, I got back the next year. We did okay. And I think that's the thing, but just a great person and a true credit as a coach and a guy that I would like my son to play for. Yes, well put. Coach Roy Williams joining us from UNC while on the recruiting trail. Tony spent like 15 or 20 minutes with us just yesterday, Coach. I mean, squeezing us in. Good, good guy. Unbelievable. Like in in the middle of these tornado interviews, he he managed an extended visit with us, and he managed to squeeze in there. He said, David, I am – being, I am forcing myself to make sure I smell the roses and enjoy this. But inside every one of you guys, there's this turn the page I have to think about next year. I mean, even as you're celebrating a national title, there's that famous story of Coach Smith back in the day. Uh, I'm trying to remember the year, but he leaves uh, the championship celebration to go re- to go visit like Rasheed Wallace in, in Philadelphia or something like that. Um, oh, I can even go more than yeah, that. Yeah, go ahead. The first one. First one in 82, 
uh, we go back and have a celebration at Keenan Stadium. I was his assistant. And Coach didn't even come to the celebration. He went home. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, no, he, he was an unusual bird because I tell you, if we're going to celebrate, I want to be there. <laughs> well, well, with that in mind, Tony said the whole NBA-type decisions for his DeAndre Hunter and maybe others, like they're way behind schedule because they've been trying to win basketball games. You actually kind of got that out of the way fairly quickly with Nasir Little and Kobe White. But I can't remember, Coach, if you, you did join us 12 months ago at this time. Like we knew yeah. Cam Johnson was back. We knew you were going to have three senior starters. You had this like bedrock foundation. We we knew Little and White, I think at that point, were already committed or signed to you. It is totally different this year. I mean, what is? I know you're not allowed to talk about, obviously, individual recruits who have not signed, and God knows we're not making today the first time we get a coach in trouble for violating NCAA rules. But can you speak generally just about the feeling of knowing relatively little about next year's roster, even if you have Garrison Brooks back and some guys who signed early? Well, Tony would trade. Uh, Tony would not trade getting behind. I could guarantee yeah, right. that. He'd like to win that. And the heck, we used to be behind and still get caught up in all that stuff with the NBA. But yeah, last year was very comforting knowing that we had Luke and Cam and uh, Kenny coming back. We knew Garrison was going to have another year. We knew we were going to have Kobe in this year. And right now, we don't have that feeling. But I've had it on both ends, and you just have to understand that's part of the game. But uh, it does make the spring recruiting period a lot more hectic. There's no question about that. And uh, that's the reason that golf's going to have to wait a little bit more. <laughs> when it comes to guys like Kobe and Nasir, Coach, do you know the moment you signed them, you better plan for the possibility of one and done? Did you know during the season that that was going to be the end result? Or were you there, you know, learning like everybody else at the end when those guys were kind of announcing things on their social media platforms? Well, I knew that that was going to happen with Nasir because he's just so gifted athletically. And I, I loved Kobe White maybe more than everybody. And So after the first week of practice, I said, God, this guy's pretty good. And after the second week, he was better. And the third week, he was better. So as the season went along, we knew that it was going to happen. And that's what I told him he should do. So I have no problem. And it leaves some gapping holes. But that's what our game is now. We're, we're a little bit of a bus stop on the way. When it comes to the prospects that you are not allowed to name, as a, as a general rule, not even with these guys in spe- in particular, do you usually have a sense of where you stand? You know, like a year ago with Zion Williamson, are you shocked when he picks Duke instead of Carolina or somebody else? Or is it like one of those where nine times out of ten you have a gut feeling where somebody's leaning? Oh, it, it David, it differs so much. Yep. Sometimes I felt like we were dead sure we were going to get the kid and did not. I've never in 31 years as a head coach, gotten somebody that I didn't think we were huh. going to get, but I've lost a bunch of them. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it just appears from that individual. All right, last thing for you, so you can go sign the next generation of Tar Heels. <laughs> what is your rooting interest if, if you get to tune in, maybe on tape delay or DVR as they call it? Are you like a Tiger guy, a Rory guy? Do you have your own favorites, just like fans have their own favorite college basketball teams and coaches? Um, I'm just like them. I'm Tiger all the way. I think it'd be so great for a comeback for him. I think it'd be great for the sport. And, yeah, I like Jordan Spieth. I like Justin Thompson, Justin Thomas, uh, Dustin Johnson, all those guys. But I'm, I'm Tiger. If he's in there on Sunday afternoon, it'll be a heck of a lot more exciting. What's the best tea time on your off-season schedule as we speak? Uh... 
Boy, I'm, you're, you're asking me to tell my secret. Uh, but uh, I, I don't tell me the day. So don't tell me the day so they don't stalk you in the parking lot. I'm going to make it to a certain place in Georgia before the end of the month. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll be getting past the 20th round at Augusta National. Coach, thanks, for, sque- right. thanks for squeezing us in from the recruiting trail. Uh, we always appreciate your time on the David Glenn Show. All right, David. You guys have a great day, and thank you very much. Right back at you. The Hall of Famer from the University of North Carolina.